and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life from the Shed. Slightly rainy outside, so you may hear the occasional pitter-patter, but I hope it doesn't uh, ruin your enjoyment of this particular episode. All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances, and one man in his time plays many parts his acts being seven ages. At first the infant, mewling and puking in the nurse's arms, and then the whining schoolboy with his satchel and shining morning face creeping like a snail, unwillingly to school, and then the lover sighing like furnace with a woeful ballad made to his mistress's eyebrow. Then a soldier, full of strange oaths and bearded like the pard, jealous in honour, sudden and quick in quarrel. Seeking the bubble reputation, even in the cannon's mouth. And then the justice, in fair round belly with good capon lined, with eyes severe and beard of formal cut, full of wise saws and modern instances, and so he plays his part. The sixth age shifts into the lean and slippered pantaloon, with spectacles on nose and pouch on side, his youthful hose well saved, a world too wide for his shrunk shank and his big manly voice. Turning again towards childish treble, pipes and whistles in his sound, last scene of all, that ends this strange eventful history, is second childishness and mere oblivion. Son teeth, son eyes, son taste, son everything. William Shakespeare there from As You Like It. I know, not your usual average start to a photo podcast, but it came to mind to me because I've been speaking to a lot of photographers recently over the last six decades of uh, practice. Well, they've been working, I should say, for the last six decades uh, all part of this book that I spoke about a couple of episodes ago that I'm writing about the history of Vogue House in London, uh, the building where all the Condé Nast magazines uh, emanated from, um, which is about to close. And in talking to these photographers, it made me think about that kind of phrase around age. What happens when photographers get old? And it seems to me a pretty straightforward journey. In the early days, we tried to get known. We tried to make friends, clients, contacts. We're reaching out. Then we become established and hopefully those people we've reached out to start to employ us. As we progress, hopefully our career develops. Those people who supported us in the early days continue supporting us as their careers progress. But gradually, as time passes, those people are suddenly not on the magazines or working for the companies they once were. Maybe they've taken different career paths. And those people we started off with start to disappear. It forces the photographer to find new people to work with, to make connections with. But of course, by that time, we're older. We don't quite connect with the people we once did, the magazines and the clients that we once did. Now we're working for different clients, different magazines, and perhaps also in different ways. 
slowly but surely, we start to feel that the idea of the physicality of photography might become a bit too much. We start to take on less jobs, less commissions. And as we progress, we may start to do more personal work. But also we'll start to look back and we'll start to look at our archive and start to think about the possibilities that that archive could give us financially. I've been speaking to photographers, as I say, who began their careers in the 1960s, 70s, 80s and 90s. And that sense of reflection is definitely there. We're all passing through the seven ages of man or woman. And I have to say, I've also spoken to some uh, women photographers, a particularly uh, fantastic photographer, Tessa Traeger, uh, from the 1970s there. So it's been a broad uh, conversation, but the themes are there, whatever gender uh, the photographers have been or whichever magazines they've worked for. Maybe it's time to think about those seven ages of being a photographer. I recently saw that the photographer Edward Thompson, I'm not going to say which age he's in, but uh, I've known of Edward, Edward, I should say, for some time with his work and his um, photo books. Well, he uh, put something on Twitter recently. He's put something on his website, which I highly recommend you check out if you're interested in photo books. Now, photo books is something I've spoken a lot about, I've written a lot about, and I highly recommend if you are interested Check out the two episodes that Bill Shapiro and I did as part of the conversation, talking about the hows, the where tos, and the whys of photo book. But anyway, uh, Edward has put this up on his site, and I'm going to read what he said. It says, Since 2012, I've self published three photo books and one exhibition catalogue, and I'm going to tell you how to do it yourself. I feel strongly that there is a never ending line of people waiting to take advantage of photographers who are trying to make photo books. The publishers I call the pay-to-play mob, I get it. Everyone wants to earn a living. But giving a publisher £20,000 in return for, at best, a few hundred copies of your book, well, that's a bad deal. If you follow the instructions below, you should be able to crowdfund and produce your own photography book or zine. If you make your own coffee table style photo book and sell them all yourself, you'll make around £12,000. This money can be used to keep you alive and make new work. If you think that's worth something, you can throw me some money via the link at the bottom of the page, or better still, buy one of my photo books. Well, that's perfectly fair that Ed was asking for that. Uh, But I don't expect anything from you. I like that. I feel like this is a public service. Someone once said, don't fight the system, create a new system. That makes the old one obsolete. I hope if you're a photographer reading this, you will choose to self-publish and not give your power away. Making the photographs for a book is a huge undertaking and you deserve to be compensated for your toil. Well, I think it's really interesting. And what Ed's done there is he's put a couple of uh, little films, little short films, uh, kind of how-to. And in the first ones, he's dealing with research, the importance of research, something I'm always talking about, and also that idea of um, just getting started, really. So um, why not check out his website? Have a look at what he's doing. I'm always willing to support people who are willing to share information for free. 
This week, we welcome to the podcast to explain to us what photography means to him in roughly less than five minutes, Juan Fabuel, who studied photography at the University of Valencia in Spain and is currently studying for a PhD at the University of Murcia. His work uses different mediums such as photography, video, ceramics and installation to speak about movement, home and representation, instigating dialogues between disciplines such as anthropology, politics, archaeology, physics and neuroscience. He has been exhibited in Belgium, France, the Netherlands, Switzerland, Italy, Portugal, the USA, Taipei and across Spain. His work is also collected by museums and foundations across Europe. Let's hear what Juan's got to say, shall we? Hi, my name is Juan Fabuel, and I'm a visual artist and anthropologist. My background is a combination of social sciences and fine arts, and I've been asked to share with you what photography means to me. So here we go. Photography means many different things to me, but the first thing that I would like to share with you is that it's a great way to get to know myself better, uh, to introduce myself to the world and engage in the world. And I think that by reflecting on it and sharing certain visual ideas and values with other people through my own projects, whenever I have the chance, uh, it really helps me to, to understand this chaotic and complex world better. So it is a marvelous tool to do some ethnography and emotional archaeology. And it's also a great way to question things and come up with new questions, uh, communicate, uh, reflect on certain ideas, values, uh, understand, and from time to time, get some answers. Photography has also the ability to slow down my pace and it helps me be more present and breathe deeper. And it's always been a safe place uh, for me where somehow I have the illusion because I know it's an illusion, but it just makes me believe it makes me feel that I can control time or at least I can play or mess with it. So it reduces the stress uh, whenever I'm having one of those existential crises where I pay attention to all the things that I haven't achieved yet or you know, the little time that I have left, all these sort of not really constructive thoughts, then photography always comes to the rescue. So it is a mindful practice. It makes me be more aware of my internal and, and external processes. And when they are out of balance, then photography can rebalance them. So it is a great way to heal. It's a healing process. And I truly believe that it is because photography can alter the linearity of time and makes me stand still and be on my feet while I'm holding my camera or working with the tripod. Doesn't matter. It grounds me, makes me feel grounded. And it always had that effect on me. So it is a way to pause the noise, uh, but also it's a great way to think musically. And as a musician, I think that these two disciplines are interwoven and so connected. So to think of rhythms, tones and textures in a way that goes beyond the visual makes me have this uh, synesthetic approach to, to pretty much everything that I, I try and accomplish. And this leads me to one of the main ideas and guides that I have in the back of my head when I'm working on my projects, which is focus on the dynamics and, and forget about narrative. And what I mean by that is that in my case, so many intellectual and rational decisions have already been taken uh, before releasing the shatter. So when I look through the viewfinder, uh, I tell to myself that my main task is to Pay close attention to the dynamic relationships that exist between the elements uh, in an aesthetic way. So that approach makes the whole process way more joyful and makes me feel that everything is more accessible and reachable. 
And at the same time, uh, I enjoy very much the superpower that photography has when it comes to, to using fiction and, and constructed narratives to gently dismantle the many, many definitions of reality as a social construct that, that we have. So to create potential scenarios and relations while interacting with the past is something that photography does very well. In my case, this approach comes from my interest in futures anthropology uh, as a way to research alternative futures and, and trying to understand our present. And I think that uh, photography and, and anthropology, they have this, uh, this way to project into the future and try and, and understand or come with new alternatives. Uh, traditionally, we always thought that anthropology and photography, they only deal with the, with the past, but they also create uh, alternatives. And as a final thought, uh, I believe that the photographic practice makes me be more generous and attentive because I don't think that we take photographs or I don't like to think that we shoot images or anything like that. I like to think that we give or create images that makes the whole thing way more generous and better, in my opinion. So here you have some of my thoughts regarding photography. Thank you. Bye. Thank you very much for your contribution this week, Juan. Uh, really interesting to hear that uh, that kind of connection being made there between photography and music, which is something I often talk about. And quite a few of our contributors to this strand of the podcast have uh, mentioned over the previous years. Also interesting how often people talk about the mindfulness aspect of photography, and that's something I'm hearing a lot more about uh, now. Uh, I think people are much more open in talking about that and also finding ways of using photography to aid in that mindfulness rather than, I suppose, in a sense, photography becoming um, a driver for anxiety. That idea of being able to lose yourself in the photography rather than getting incredibly anxious about having to create um, work that is recognized or is praised or is of importance in itself, but just actually being able to explore the photographic medium without those kind of additional stresses. So thank you very much, Juan, this week for um, bringing those thoughts to us. As always, if you want to respond to anything that you hear on the podcast, uh, just get in touch. Best way is through the website. Just email us through uh, the United Nations of Photography.com. Uh, and I always get back to everybody who emails. Whilst I'm talking about getting in touch, thank you very much to everybody who got in touch um, about our recent spirit photography episode, which a lot of you seem to really enjoy. And also the conversation, of course, with uh, Bill Shapiro, um, the episode dealing with the photo mentor and mentorship. Uh, look out for the next uh, conversation, the next element, the next episode, the next part of the conversation, which will be coming out in posting, I should say, um, in the first week of April, in fact. And we'll be starting another two-parter because we had too much to talk about. Uh, around the personal project. So if that's something that you're interested in, do check that one out. As you've probably noticed, I've been playing around a little bit with the format of the podcast, so we don't get stale, so I don't get stale, and to bring you lots of different things around the medium. 
And uh, I don't often, if I don't think I've ever promoted uh, an episode from one week to a next, but I really do encourage you to check out next week's uh, episode, which is a special extended conversation, uh, not between myself and Bill this time, but between myself and photographer Matt Black. Now, if you're not aware of his work, do check it out before you listen to the episode, because I think it'll bring even more understanding of the conversation we have if you understand his work. It really is in the classic tradition, I think, of documentary photography in black and white. Uh, We talk around the road trip in particular. Uh, Matt is a Magnum photographer, uh, so you can check him out via the Magnum site, as well as um, his own website, of course. So check that out. That's Matt Black for an extended conversation between myself and him. Quite hilariously, when we met up on Zoom, we were dressed exactly the same. I wish my photography had the same kind of qualities his has, but unfortunately it doesn't. But anyway, I hope you enjoy that next week. I was at an event recently giving a talk and uh, somebody who does listen to the podcast came up to me and said, well, yeah, I really enjoy what you do, but why do you never talk about any of the photography you do yourself? Uh, And I have to say that that was a very kind of strong, uh, deliberate decision that I made at the beginning, because I don't actually really think that my photography is of any great interest to anybody. I mean, I am a commissioned photographer. I work on commissions all of the time. Uh, nowadays, primarily for publishers or for magazines, and I take on the uh, commissions that I think I'm going to enjoy, uh, that I think photographically I can get something from, and that I kind of want to either go to the place or meet the people involved and engage in conversation, because for me, that's what's really important. So I'm afraid, no, I never talk about my photography on this podcast. I'm never going to tell you about who I photographed, how I did it, the cameras I use, uh, the lighting setup, my assistant, um, how I get commissioned, any of that stuff, because I just don't think it's of import. And I know that the people who contribute to this podcast um, really do bring something extra that I don't think I could bring. But anyway, um, as I said at the beginning of this episode, it was pouring down with rain after a couple of days of snow. The rain does seem to have um, slowed up and in fact ceased as I look outside the window of the shed. Slightly concerning for Shedcast listeners is that I'm actually also looking for a house to move. So I'm looking for a house with a podcast studio. If anybody knows of one, let me know, because it's not proving easy to find. Anyway, maybe I'll have to take the old shed with me. Uh, I know what I am going to do, and you know what I'm going to do also, because you're going to do the same thing. We're all just going to take care.